But I fundamentally believe that if you look at the quantum of capital that is needed to, for us to achieve net zero, sustainable finance needs to be part of it. Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer with BMO Financial Group. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate, investor, academic, and NGO communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment, business practices, and our world. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Hi, I'm Jonathan Hackett, Head of Sustainable Finance and Co-Head of BMO's Energy Transition Group and one of the hosts of Sustainability Leaders. In early November, I was on the ground in Glasgow with other BMO Financial Group leaders participating in COP26 and its surrounding forums. While I was there, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Justine Hendricks, Chief Corporate Sustainability Officer of Export Development Canada, to discuss how the organization has evolved in recent years and why sustainable finance has such an essential role in supporting the transition to a low-carbon economy. Let's dive into the conversation. Thank you for joining me here in Glasgow, where the COP26 climate conference is in full swing. What have been your impressions of the conference so far? Well, first of all, really pleased to be able to join you here, Jonathan. And uh, it's kind of funny when you think about it, because I think the last time you and I saw each other was actually at the PETA conference the week before most of us got confined, right? So it was uh, it was bittersweet or extra sweet that we were able to connect for this today. The COP conference, I, I think all of us have been anticipating it. It's nice to get on a plane again, come to Glasgow. I don't know about you, but I found the whole logistics of coming to the conference, the pavilions being pretty impressive, right? For those back home, you know, they're doing a fantastic job to keep us healthy, right? With all the testing, you and I are becoming pros at daily testing. And also, I think what's been nice is with the protests that have been going on, they've all gone on peacefully, you know, so everybody feels like they have a chance to have a voice, whether it's on a panel, whether you know, within the perimeter of the conference. And let's not forget, there's some pretty neat technologies that you and I have a chance to learn a bit more about. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a really engaging time here. And I, I do have to say, you know, between the green zone, between the handling of the protests and the engagement with them, it's been a really positive experience. But before we get more into COP26, maybe Justine, just to set the stage, can you tell me about your journey and your trajectory that's brought you to the role of a chief corporate sustainability officer? Yeah, sure. It's it's a it's an interesting road, I would say. So I, I am at the the heart of it, a banker. I was a banker for 10 years, and then I joined EDC on their business development side. And I did about 10 years in those roles where I went from managing a small business team that covered the Canadian landscape, then I I became a vice president and I really had the opportunity to dig into different sectors. So, you know, mining, oil and gas, agriculture and all sorts of stuff. Went over to the financing world where I started to do some transformation work and we were trying to reposition our lending business. And from there, I ran one of our product lines, the working capital solutions. And then a couple of years ago was appointed as a senior vice president and more recently as well, the chief corporate sustainability officer. So it's been a really diverse role. You know, I've had a chance to touch almost all the business lines at EDC and and that certainly prepared me well for this challenge, which is not a small one. 
Fair. And maybe for those not as familiar with EDC, could you tell us a little bit about its mandate and how, you know, especially how that's changed in the face of climate change and the growing focus on sustainability? Yeah, no, no. Great question, Jonathan. And appreciate the opportunity to kind of set that stage. So Export Development Canada, or the, the acronym EDC, so we're Canada's export credit agency. EDC has been around for about 75 years. And our mandate is to grow the success of company through trade, right? And we try to do that with each and every company. We're actually financially self-sufficient, which many people don't know that fact. And how we support Canadian exporters is through offering services through financing. We do equity, insurance, and we also have knowledge that we share with the exporting community. So we don't actually provide any grants or subsidies to any Canadian company. In order to give a size of magnitude to your audience, you know, I'll give you a few stats maybe to give you a sense from 2020. So if you were to take the total value of exports and investments that we supported in 2020, it would have resulted in the equivalent of about 487,000 jobs that have been created. We facilitated about $102 billion of business, which was uh, done under about 9,800 transactions. So no small feat, certainly not as many transactions as uh, BMO would do. But in terms of the contribution to Canada's economy, that's where it comes from. You asked a question about how our business has changed, right, given the focus on sustainability. Well, interestingly enough, at EDC, you know, back in 2012, we actually started to take a focus and, and call out clean tech as a key part of our strategy. And if you bring in that context of environmental, social and governance, we've been embedding that in some of our due diligence as early as the early 90s, where we were kind of looking to adhere ourselves to some of the international principles. So ESG, focusing on sustainability, has been part of who we are for a long time, but certainly over the more recent years, we've really been trying to kind of identify what are some of those sectors that are important, clean tech being one of them. And in support of that, what are, are some of the products that we need to be able to accelerate some of the growth of those sectors? So that's what you've really started to see. And maybe the last thing to share with your audience is this year, we actually kicked off a brand new 10-year strategy, and we've actually made ESG one of the key levers of that strategy. So that not only signals to everyone at EDC, but the exporting community that that is very much going to become even more part of what we do day in, day out. Fantastic. And here we are in Glasgow. We have representatives from government, corporations, NGOs sitting down to think about a path towards a low-carbon world. Can you speak a little bit about EDC's role here? Yeah, so it, it, that's a really interesting question, right? Because, you know, export credit agencies, you know, we're kind of sometimes feel like we're on an island of our own, right? But if you, if you consider our role in helping facilitate trade, and if you also agree with the fact that for any given country, there is uh, an importance or a link towards its trading success to its economic success, right? So that kind of is how you bring us to the table in terms of what the role of an ECA is. And then with that in mind, when you're Canada's export credit agency, what you try to do is, is whether it's in partnership with the Canadian FIs or if you're doing equity investing, is to kind of help those companies be successful abroad because that overall helps them, but it'll help Canada. There's another part of it, though, Jonathan, I would say, right? ECAs, you know, as a group on their own, get together and engage to kind of better understand what are the, the flows that are taking place 
do we need to change some of the standards internationally so we can level the playing field? So that's also important for Canadian companies to be aware of. You know, a great example of that is when COVID hit, a lot of the ECAs got together and we were kind of comparing notes to see how were your national markets responding? What were some of the programs that they were deploying? And EDC was asking itself, do we need to do the same? Are we ahead of the pack or what's needed? So that's kind of one of the, the areas that we work with. And the other thing I would say is we also can play the role of the convener, right? So we work with the FIs, we stay connected to civil society because it is important to hear their voice and it's important to have a dialogue with them. It's important for us vis-a-vis how we engage with our shareholder, which is the Canadian government, and then combining those three things to see are there products and solutions we need to bring to the table and to always ultimately for making Canadian companies successful. And maybe just diving in on one piece that I think you mentioned in there, you know, as you think about supporting Canadian exporters, do you think that there's a role particularly for Canadian exports to help drive the transition to a net zero world globally? I'm glad you're asking that because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be a bit of a nationalist or federalist here. You know, we believe that Canada has a lot to offer, right? But, you know, the world is getting ready for this, right? So we're all trying to, to transition. We're all trying to build back better. Everybody has their version of it. So we believe that if Canadian companies don't get ready, they're going to miss their chance. But part of seizing your opportunity is you want to make sure that you embed in environmental, social, and governance in terms of whether it's the strategy of your business, how you embed it in day-to-day. And fundamentally, we think that it can be a huge trigger for innovation. So, you know, if we think of the the value proposition of, you know, looking at ESG, not from, I'll say, a regulatory requirement, right, or I need to do this in order to, but to really start to think it through in terms of how you conduct your business, we actually believe it'll be an accelerator to your growth. So it goes right back to the trade, right? In terms of the more successful you're going to be, Canadian companies will win contracts internationally, and that'll be a win-win for Canada. Very interesting. Maybe building on that, sustainable finance has been a key theme here at COP. Why is sustainable finance such an important part of supporting transition to a low-carbon economy? It's quite the debate eh, that we're hearing at COP about sustainable finance, and it, it gets us eventually to transition, right? Like, what are the products that you need in order to incentivize, right, companies to, I think it's beyond doing the right thing, right? So for years, it was all about, you know, give them, you know, a few bonuses, and, you know, they'll start to report more, you know, like they'll, they'll respond a little bit better to some of the re- regulatory requirement. But I fundamentally believe that if you look at the quantum of capital that is needed for us to achieve net zero, sustainable finance needs to be part of it, right? So we, you, myself, we have a huge role to play in that. But I also think, though, is I think as lenders, right, or depending on the products and services we offer, I do think we need to stretch our minds a little bit sometimes into how we offer them, right? So, and that's where I see sustainable finance being a bit different. So if you come to 
the table with your traditional debt. In this context, given the capital that's required, given the speed at which the regulatory environment is changing, some of the, the investments in innovation, clean tech that are required, I think all of us financiers, you know, it doesn't take long to realize what got me here or what made me successful today. I need to kind of think a little bit differently in terms of what will be the requirements for me to know that it's going to be successful tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, given the trillions that people are quoting in terms of what's required, you can't imagine doing it without having sustainable finance right at the heart of it. And it's to recognize, too, I think, Jonathan, that there is significant capital investments that are going to be required across all sorts of industries, right, in terms of that transition to being a lot more efficient. Fair. And maybe that's a good place to ask, what gives you optimism? As we think about, you know, the opportunity and the need to mitigate climate change, you know, we're here with thousands of people that are working on this problem. You know, what's going to be the, the piece that you bring with you to kind of keep that optimism there? So I would say this COP, COP26, I think is really about momentum, Right. So I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I came here, you know, trying to figure out, like, what would success look like? And I had all sorts of advice. But one piece of advice I thought was interesting is just seeing go to cop, take in as much as you can. The real work starts after. Right. In terms of as you come back home and you start to say, OK, what does this all mean? And then for us that are working with customers, it's going to trickle directly to impact to them. So you asked a question, are you optimistic? I'm, I am very optimistic because I do think we're starting to tackle what I see as being the, the pragmatic aspects of when you create a policy or you do a statement and say, we would love to be here at this point. And now we can take that away and start to make it a lot more practical. So if we look at it from a Canadian perspective, right, because we are, we do have our Canadian reality. We fundamentally believe that our role at EDC is going to be to help Canadian companies transition, right? So if we can't meet them where they are, whether it's through investing in them, offering some debt products, we that's the part that we can play to kind of help them, you know, start to make the bridge. And the other thing that brings optimism, Jonathan, is, you know, I look back at the track record that we've had since we started with clean tech in 2012 and some of the commitments we've made, whether, you know, it's been making a climate policy public in 2019, you know, hitting some of the targets, you know, that we doubled our support to clean tech and we keep on going. We've been able to, and not on our own, right? It's done in partnership. We've been able to exceed our targets or the stretch targets we've given ourselves year after year, right? So to me, that's what I mean about the momentum is that I think as more people start to open their eyes to this, the innovation will come to the table to support companies, will come up with the right products, and then that momentum will grow and we'll see more and more impact. And that's kind of what we want to try to do right in the market. So Justine, over the summer, you made a commitment to achieve net zero by 2050. Can you take me through some of the thinking that led to that announcement and how you got your heads there? Yeah, thank you for asking that question, uh, Jonathan. You know, because some folks come and ask me this all the time to say, you know, how did EDC actually figure out to, to be the first export credit agency in the world to come out with this announcement? So a couple of facts about the announcement that we put out there. Yes, we committed to the net zero by 2050. We also committed to an interim target for 2030. And we went as far as saying that we would uh, publicize that 
that uh, interim commitment by July of next year. So my teams are under just a little bit of pressure, Jonathan, these days. But the how we we said that we would get there is we said there was three, it's a kind of a three-pronged approach, right? First, there was, you know, taking a look at our financing book, some of the heavy estimating sectors within that book. And, you know, over time, and we've been working at that in terms of, you know, doing a bit of a straight line reduction towards a specific target. The second one, though, which is is the first one for us, it is embarking on science-based targets. And that, to me, is the exciting part about it, because this is where kind of the scientists and the financiers come together. And to me, it's a really cool opportunity in terms of how we're going to engage with companies, understanding what their pathway should be based on their industry. And then it kind of fits in nicely to what can an ECA help them in terms of how they get there along with, the, with their bankers. And the third piece, which is really exciting to us, it's around sustainable finance. So we were the first issuer of a green bond in Canada. You know, we've had a couple of more uh, since then. So taking a look at some of those instruments that can really bring liquidity to the market, which is prompting us to innovate a lot more, is really kind of where we're going to focus. So it's it's not like a, you know, there is no silver bullet, I think, to solving this problem. And I, I think those that are successful to it, you kind of need that balanced approach and you have a few levers and you got to, you know, be adjusting them along the way. And I really fundamentally believe that that's what's going to get us to the success. And then maybe the last thing I share in terms of our net zero announcement is the commitment we made to exporters is we said, you know, we recognize that in Canada, we have our unique sectors and our unique economy. But the key for us was that we wanted to meet companies where they were, right? So I think earlier we were talking about, you know, that momentum. I think it's all of our our jobs to kind of come to the table with companies. We all have a role to play, whether it's increasing the awareness, you know, helping companies do the first step, whether it's, you know, signing up for the TCFD or kind of even, you know, uh, connecting them to different opportunities to those that are a lot more advanced, but like meeting them where they are and supporting them on their progress. So that's kind of really our commitment overall as we kind of, you know, unfold and learn more about the next steps toward delivering against our net zero commitment. And just wondering, how much did it help? I would say that that momentum that we've seen from corporates generally of many of the companies that we work with have already made net zero commitments over the last few years and seeing where the industries broadly are going. I think the net zero 2050, you know, some of the conversations we have internally, we're, we're saying they're becoming table stakes, right? You know, and, and you and I are hearing a little bit about this at COP, right? Knowing that we need to get to a certain point by 2050, I think, you know, most people get it. I think the bigger conversation is around the interim target, right? Like we need the right point to know whether or not we're tracking to give ourselves that chance to adjust. So I must say, you know, if, if you would have asked me the question, Justine, what's the, the thing you're the proudest about the net zero commitment we did? I'd say it was about the interim target and us promising that we're going to you know, going to be transparent about it. Because if you think some of our mutual stakeholders, right, that is the call to action is to, you know, don't keep all your conversations internally, you know, be open and transparent about them. But that's what I think really starts to mobilize people. All of a sudden, that horizon is a lot closer to you. And you start to realize what you need to do today and tomorrow to be able to get there. So that to me is is really been what's been fascinating to watch. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. And 
Hopefully you enjoy the rest of COP while you're here. Same here, Jonathan. We'll see you back home. Thanks for joining us, Justine. Thanks for listening to Sustainability Leaders. This podcast is presented by BMO Financial Group. To access all the resources we discussed in today's episode and to see our other podcasts, visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. You can listen and subscribe free to our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, and we'll greatly appreciate a rating and review and any feedback that you might have. Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative. Until next time, I'm Michael Torrance. Have a great week. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. This is not intended to serve as a complete analysis of every material fact regarding any company, industry, strategy, or security. This presentation may contain forward-looking statements. Investors are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such statements as actual results could vary. This presentation is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice, and is not intended as an endorsement of any specific investment product or service. Individual investors should consult with an investment, tax, and or legal professional about their personal situation. Past performance is not indicative of future results.